Welcome to Homicide, the podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brandon. And I'm Anna. Anna! I love this. For everyone listening, Homicide, the podcast is for the girls, gays, and theys who love true crime and hate the culture of sensationalizing murder. Yes, and today's episode is on bizarre murder weapons. Um, and my episode uh, has the title of Porcelain Rage. What's yours, Kev? Oh, oh, goodness. Mine can be described in one word, pumpernickel. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll get to see what that means. That juice is interesting. <laughs> How are both of you guys? I'm good. I'm freezing cold in my room right now because my radiator doesn't work. But other than that, I'm doing so well. Right. And Fantastic. It's like fairly cold in New York today, isn't it? It's very yeah, it's a cold. a little bit chilly. Yeah. I'm like, it's a <laughs> it's little chilly. It's just a little bit chilly. Yeah, it's 30. It's, it's pretty fucking cold. It was like, it was in the Florida. 20s this morning. So. Yeah. I did see that. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. So yeah, I've been it. inside all day. Yeah. But that polar vortex that's happening right now across the United <laughs> States is coming to New York. So it does snow this week, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Yay. Yeah, and it's like yeah. 16 degrees and, or something. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And by the time that you're listening to this, it will be, it had snowed a week ago. Mm. <laughs> True. I just we want the snow to before. actually stick on the ground because it keeps snowing right. and then it's like it just rained. And the fun of snow is to have it stick on the ground. I right. agree. Cause I kind of want to go play in the park. Yeah. Me too. The snow. Right. I'm like, who am I going to play with myself? But and not in a weird way. <laughs> But still, you know. <laughs> anyway, we're recording today, and uh, Anna and I are both in New York, not too far from each other. And uh, Brandon is still in Tampa. So there's that. Um, <laughs> it's weird to be, uh, Brandon and I have been apart for a hot minute, which is, uh, you know, when you're married and usual. have been together as long as we have it, it's a little bit weird. Yeah, well, I mean, for the last, but we're almost hitting six years of owning our own business. And for those six mm-hmm. years, we have been together. Almost that whole time. So anytime we have a part, it's always just a little bit bizarre. Not Wait, as bizarre I feel as these like murder you guys, weapons, but bizarre. Yeah. Y'all should fill the audience in a little bit. Like, how did owning a business together come about? How did that happen? Great question. Um, uh, <laughs> You're like, well, I don't know. That is <laughs> no. It's it's actually kind of a funny story. It jumps back to when Brandon and I, the first night that we met. Uh, we met through a mutual friend, and uh, that mutual friend was like, when I moved to New York, um, our mutual friend named Michael, I met at Disney, because I did the Disney College program back in the day, and he grew up in Connecticut with Brandon. And so one day when we were in Disney, uh, he was like, there's this guy that I have always had a crush on uh, who's going to come hang out with us. And I was like, okay. Ooh. He's like, you should come. <laughs> and um, I didn't, because I was going on a date with uh, a girl. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Oh, but, my God. Uh, so I went on a date instead and Brandon ended up hanging out with those guys. Anyway, so jump fast forward when I'm moving out to New York City and I was already there. My friend Michael was back in Connecticut and he goes, um, remember that guy that I had a crush on? He just came out and I think that you should talk to him since you've been out since you were 17. And I was like, okay. Uh, yeah. So I reached out to Brandon. And I was like, hey, do you want to meet up? But I remember looking at his Facebook profile and I was like, ew. Um, ah, yeah, oh my so god rude, right <laughs> so rude but i wasn't even in a space to like date somebody because i was um still with not really with my ex because he was just I a bitch <laughs> oh, uh maybe that kidding. too but anyway um so we met and uh, hung out and that night 
uh, Brandon, I, I was like, what do you want to do with your future or whatever, which is such an intense question to ask. And what do you want right? to do with your Not future? Right. And little, like, <laughs> so 20, what, how old was I? 23, 23 year old so. me was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I, think I want to own my own agency. <laughs> yeah. So that's what he said. Oh. He's like, I think I want to own my own agency one day. And I was like, wait, that's wild. You actually did know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we kind of went on a path and, um, I was at an agency cause I'd switched my career and all this kind of shit. So anyway, I was kind of like, I don't want to work for anybody anymore. Brandon has this dream to own this thing and I think I can do it. So I left my job and, um, as like a, a creative director of a photo and, uh, started our agency in Tampa, not knowing one person. Yeah. Uh, we moved up here and started it right away. Why yeah. did you move there if you don't know anybody? Um, Brandon. Oh. Man, you're asking all these questions that are so layered, right? So <laughs> for a layered. quick synopsis, <laughs> you're like, I have no idea. So we were living in, yeah. So we were, we met in New York. We moved to Denver for a little bit. Kevin got recruited back to New York uh, with uh, the job he was working. So we moved back to New York. Within six months, we both um, ended up getting laid off from our jobs. And we uh, had, Ish. yeah, we had my, no My money. layoff was coming, but I walked out. Kevin's Brandon was coming. Was yeah. Out. So he. Yeah. He ended up walking out before it happened. Um, but Slay. we, mm-hmm. yeah, we had just moved. It was only six months. We didn't really have any money. So we, um, decided, uh, reluctantly to move down to Florida to be closer to my family. Cause at that time we kind of had a rocky relationship and it was really Kevin who was like, yes, let's move down to Florida because, um, we can fix this relationship and kind of figure it out from there. Um, in our apartment at the time, we were able to move down to, um, an apartment in, uh, Miami, in Florida, Florida. Uh, for free, uh, but they told us when we went to go when we went to go uh, tell our our lease our lease our apartment at the time uh, that we wanted to move apartments because they owned properties, um, and they said we're selling all of the Florida properties by the end of the year, so you have to do it by the end of the year. And it was like December first that we went and told them. Yeah. So within a couple weeks, we had to find an apartment mm-hmm. and move, um, and we could only find an apartment in South Florida. Um, but I went to college in Sarasota, which is on the, on the, on the other coast uh, of Florida. And I just thought, I think if we're going to go anywhere, I think Tampa just makes sense. It's a lot more urban. Yeah. It's a little bit different of a city in Florida. So it doesn't have like that gross Florida feel, but the only properties they had were in South Florida. Uh, so we moved down to South Florida for two years and it was probably the most depressive Horrible. time of our lives. Um, oh, no. so we ended up going up to Tampa for my, 30th birthday yeah we got fat um we went up to tampa for my 30th birthday and we were like yep we're moving here uh so i moved uh uh, maybe a month later i moved up we bought a house i moved up first and then for nine months kevin uh worked remotely so he would come home on the weekends and go down to south florida during the week um and there was multiple times where he would come up during the week come up on Tuesday night and go back Wednesday morning, the three, three and a half hour drive just because he wanted to be home. So it was a lot. So when we decided to start the business and to, for Kevin to quit his job and come up, we were like, fuck it. Let's just start it. Kevin will dive right in. He has that kind of personality where he doesn't care if people don't like him or what they think he's about aggressive. him. He's going to come be himself no matter what he wants to do and, and just be him. And it proved to be very good for us because he was able to grow this whole this whole shebang and now we have a staff of what there's seven of us we're probably gonna be hiring two more people this year and 
Yeah. We're a full creative and marketing agency, and we do a lot of really fun work for yeah, it's pretty cool clients. what we were able to kind of grow, but I was able to grow it enough to have Brand leave his job uh, within a year, mm-hmm. wow. which is crazy. And so That's he amazing. left, and then we've been growing since then. We'll be hitting six years in April, which is yeah, and now crazy. But, yeah, and part of our yeah. dream was to be able to um, get back to New York. Um, and so this year, we really or last year, we really worked hard to figure it out. And so by May, we got back up to New York with our apartment, and now we've been doing this. This cross country, yeah, whatever. By, thing. I almost I want to say coastal every time. But I almost not. did too, but that's not right. <laughs> it's like it's actually technically called reverse snowboard snowbirds, reverse snowbirds because snowbirds relocate. So like Brandon's parents are technically snowbirds because they moved from Connecticut to South Florida or to okay, yeah, Lakeland, Florida. Oh, and to you like moved get away here. From the cold. And yeah. we are doing both, which is a reverse snowbird. So we mm. like go down and then come back, go down, come back, whatever. Um, which is interesting, but we never wanted to leave New York City like at all. Um, in fact, I went into like a pretty bad depressive state and I had this cool freelance job at this, um, photo, um, place working as like a digital tech, uh, for a company that did mostly e-com fashion. So they shot for like Macy's and all these things. And I was running, basically running the set (laughs) and, um, they kept me on, but I had a huge panic attack in the fucking airport, um, in South Florida to come back here and couldn't get on the plane and was definitely fired. Um, I mean, I wasn't fired because I was a contractor, but it was horrible. And so, yeah, that, that part of our life was, it was rough. rough. And we also worked for this company and this guy that he said to me once that, uh, somehow I got labeled as like the issue, which I think is cause I was just so direct, um, in general, but Brandon and I worked there together, but, uh, he actually pulled me in his office one day and he was like, I think that your rough childhood is, is coming out in your adulthood. And I was like. First inappropriate extremely you, right? inappropriate uh, i was <laughs> like you will never talk about that again yeah ever. what i was such a cunt but like, like he oh he was mm, i mean it was fucking rude. it was not great <laughs> yeah so i ended up leaving before brandon left um and then we left or then he left and oh, whatever and then i went to that other agency and then well little tampa there we are. And now we're in New yep. York and Tampa. Okay, amazing. <laughs> now the listeners know some of yes. the lore. Probably not all of it. I'm sure more of no, it will come out with time, that. but yeah. oh, I'm Great sure. Question though, Anna, you should be like an interviewer. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Yeah. Okay. Um anyway, yeah. She's so, like, how did that uh, trauma make stuff. you feel? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if I was like, so Kevin, how did that childhood <laughs> I like go on from what you said a second ago. I'm like, so what about that childhood? How did that make you feel? God, I'm such an open book too that I'd be like, let's dive in. (laughs) You're like, okay, I'll tell you. (laughs) No, even in our improv classes, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I just told that story. Um, (laughs) I learned so much about you in improv. I think everybody did, and they were like, (laughs) I do not want to know him. (laughs) He's got a lot of stories. Actually, I know there was that one time when we went to Rat Scraps. uh, that Shannon, like we took class with Shannon O'Neill, who's um, like a great improv, uh, improviser. Hmm. Improviser? <laughs> yeah. It's like, so it's not that part of a word. That was really weird. Um, anyway, and she, I like rose my hand cause they like get shit from the audience or whatever to be able to support their, um, their show. And, uh, I raised my hand and I was like, okay, I have this thing. And I talked about the fact that like my biological, uh, grandma, my mom's mom, um, slept with two, brothers not her brothers but two men that were brothers and had kids like with both brothers and she like openly was like yeah i know him his life is fucked up and i'm like <laughs> <"Yeah."> <laughs> it's interesting. oh my god anyway, 
Um, all right. With all that said, shall we dive into the episode? Oh, wait. Uh, a couple things to mention. Obviously, Homotown Murders. If you have one, email us, murder at homosidepodcast.com. And then, hello, subscribe on YouTube. Follow us. On wait, but Apple. what is what is a Homotown murder if somebody has never listened before? This is why you're our producer. Um, <laughs> so for those who haven't listened, yes, Homotown murders are basically your hometown murder. Uh, we just wanted to make it gay. So it's a Homotown murder. Uh, and it's basically you write us and let us know what uh, that murder is all about with all of the details. And then you can join us on the podcast to tell it to our listeners and us, which is exciting. So if you have that, email it to us uh, at murder at homicidepodcast.com. Thank you, Anna. And then also, yes, subscribe, subscribe on YouTube and then follow us on Apple and on Spotify. And then please leave us a review, uh, rate us and review us. We would love to hear from you. And that's that. So, Brandon, let's go first today. I do. Yeah. Very cool. Are you ready to hear about the porcelain rage? Um, that I think we both are. Yeah. I quickly just created the the headline, so I think it makes sense. So we'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. So, on May thirty first, two thousand six, a woman named Jessica. And I don't know how to pronounce this. I'll spell it T R U A X. Uh, I'm assuming it's like, what is that French? I don't know. Um, got a call from um, a man named Sean, the boyfriend of her best friend, Christina Eubanks, who was a 20 year old woman um, who lived in Tennessee. Sean um, moved to William Wilmington, Delaware in 2005. Um, and the two of them started their long distance relationship. Um, and Sean would visit her often. Meeting in 2004, while they were both they both worked at the uh, grocery chain Fresh Market, uh, they the two quickly got attached, um, and friends even noted that they were um, that they were in love. And by and now by 2006, um, Sean was already in Wilmington, Delaware, um, and I didn't see why he ended up moving, uh, but they continued their relationship into 2006. So, calling and texting each other all the time, uh, they were constantly in communication. So in May 29th, it was no surprise uh, to Sean that they would be talking on the phone. She let him know that she was going to stay home from work that day because her ever-aching carpal tunnel, um, being that she was still a cashier, her wrist would uh, hurt quite often and give her a lot of pain. So she was calling out of work that day. From there, they hung up and went on their day, chatting a couple more times throughout the day. Neither of them knew that when they hung up and said goodnight around 10 or 11 that evening, that that would be the last time that they would ever speak. Uh, by the time the 30, Aww, 31st little nugget, I know, I know that's always like a hard line. Um, mm. By the time, because you you don't think of that when you're saying goodbye to somebody on the phone. That yeah, oh, that's I feel like maybe that's like the, the normal, last time I ever talked to you, right? I know, well, and everyone, I, I feel like in any 2020 or Dateline, they're like, that was the last time that they would speak, and you're like, <laughs> no, oh, that's why I added it. That's totally true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so by the time the 31st came around, Sean had not heard anything from. Christina for quite some time. So obviously he was very concerned because they would talk all the time. He reached out to many of her friends and family and he would get the same answer that they haven't heard from her. Now, Sean that thought that this was weird because Christina was not the type of person to not answer people. Um, she was not secretive and she was pretty open. She was a pretty open book. Um, then when he heard that she did not go to work, uh, she did not go to work for her next shift. He got even more concerned. So when Jessica got a call from Sean, she got a little bit worried. She also had not heard from her, so she figured she would head over to her apartment to check it out. With an uncom- 
uncomfortableness uh, that came over her, Jessica decided to make her way to Christina's basement-level apartment in the Fort Sanders area of Knoxville, Tennessee, around 5 p.m. that evening. Um, when she arrived, uh, she obviously tried knocking on the door, but nobody answered. Um, one of Christina's neighbors, though, Bill, also hadn't heard from Christina either, um, and he stopped to help. Uh, deciding to open up one of the windows of Christina's apartment, they were both just surprised to hear her dog barking and the noise um, of her phone ringing in the distance because Jessica was trying to call her. Is Okay, is this a little bit weird, but like Bill, her neighbor, didn't hear from her either. Did they talk a lot? Like, do you guys? Um, well, I think it was just like a small little thing. Like, I think there was only a few units. Um, so I think oh. Christina was just a bubbly, friendly person, and he happened. Sure. They just knew everybody. It's not like okay. okay, like we're talking about Tennessee. We're not talking about like New York, where you don't know any of your neighbors and you are right next door. People actually know oh, yeah. their neighbors. Oh, in we, different I talk to areas. our neighbor now, Brandon. She's very. Nice. I know you do, which is bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get murdered. Um, anyways, uh, opening the window more, uh, Bill stepped inside of the apartment and opened up the front door for Jessica. Entering the the home, Jessica was immediately really confused. Uh, first, she was confused to see that Christina's dog was locked up in the bedroom. There was no food or water out for the dog, and there was feces piled on the floor, uh, which is not common occurrence for her dog because Christina's dog was uh, very well behaved. Um, and Christina was also not one to just leave her pet. Um, if she was going out, if she's if she wasn't going to be around and she was going out for too long, uh, there was always somebody at the ready to take care of the dog in her absence. So Jessica continued on, um, alarmed by the state of Christina's room. She was quoted in the trial saying her bread, her bedroom was very like the stuff was scattered all over. Sheets were thrown to the side of the bed and hanging over the side of the bed. And there was just random items like all against the wall on the side of the bedroom that was out of the norm. Jessica was also confused to see random things out of order. Like the toilet tank lid was missing and the living room furniture was not where they usually were. Like, the couch was askew. The coffee table wasn't where it was supposed to be. Wait, I'm sorry. The toilet lid was missing? Yeah, yeah, just random things. Like, it was completely out of the blue. Like, it just felt very random. She also noticed that all of the belongings that one would have when they leave the home were still there. Like, her purse was there. Her phone was still there, obviously. Um, and even her her glasses were left on a side table, which was very odd because Christina had very poor eyesight. Um, and there was varying sizes of white fragments strewn about the um, apartment. So uh, Jessica decided to call the police and filed a missing persons report, as I feel like anybody would at that point. So soon after, the police arrived to the apartment, and immediately they started to to notice some things were off. First, uh, they uh, see the same white fragments uh, Jessica pointed out outside of the apartment um, on the driveway. Then they entered the apartment and they started to see something Jessica did. They started to see some things that Jessica did not. Uh, there was blood droplets on the vinyl flooring and absorbed into the carpet. Uh, there was slight blood splatter on the wall um, and a bottle and blood on a bottle and a vodka bottle nearby. So on a water bottle and a vodka bottle, there was blood on it. They also saw a pair of sweatpants thrown by the TV. And in the bedroom, they saw a vibrator stained with blood. So, yeah. So from here, um, they immediately thought something bad happened. And this is where I'm going into a lot of detail, but this story is a is a hard one. When I first started it, I didn't realize that it was going to be as crazy as it is. But this, it 
<laughs> Don't tell me the vibrator was the murder weapon. No, but it was used okay. in the murder. Yeah. So, oh my God. It's John. Yeah. So, when the police started their investigation, um, I saw a few sources that say some of her friends were uh, worried about talking to the police. So, again, this was back in 2006 and at a time when marijuana was not legal. Um, and a lot of her friends were afraid of getting caught with weed. So, now Christina herself was a pot smoker as well, being that she had carpal tunnel, it helped with her symptoms. Um, and most of her friends also smoked, um, even to the point where one of her friends wouldn't let the police into their home because they were afraid of getting caught, uh, which the cops, I, from what I saw, uh, were like, it's the least of our worries is your weed. Can Whatever. we figure out this yeah. murder? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, however, they're one all by like, one, we people... smoke weed too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we confiscate your weed and we will smoke it. So, and we're going to smoke <laughs> it in the car. Thank you. <laughs> so, one by one, people started to talk to the police, um, and most people talked about the same person, Joe Hill, or also known as Marvin Joseph Hill. And for the rest of this, I just call him Joe, because that's how it was in the case report. So um, Joe was um, a 49-year-old married man who lived in the area that was also the local pizza delivery man and local marijuana drug dealer, um, which... You would think that juxtaposition wait, is probably really good. Like, I'll get weed and pizza. Great. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. His name, he's a pizza. He make, wait, his name is Joe and he makes pizza. No, he, he doesn't make it. He just delivers it. Oh, but he's a, he's pizza Joe's delivery pizza. driver that is named Joe. Yes. What is this like correlation with Joe's and pizza? I love <laughs> it so much. The reason I say it is because Brandon's brother's. Has this lovely pizza stone thing in his backyard. And for Christmas, I was in a shop like in the West Village and found a candle that said, what did it say again? Joe. It said the name of the candle was pizza from a guy named Joe. Oh, yeah. Pizza from a guy named Joe. And I was like, (laughs) and it's like a tomato basil scented candle. It was so bizarre, but so perfect for him. Ew, that does not sound like a good candle, though. (laughs) I know. I feel kind of bad because he opened it and he was like, Hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how it smells. Well, and basil can sometimes smell like cat pee too. Cat pee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Chris. sorry. Joe and pizza. All right. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so Joe, Christine, and Sean would often hang out together uh, when Sean was in town. So Joe was their dealer, um, and they would commonly chill and smoke weed in their in her apartment. And it was also and noted that at trial that the three of them, alongside Joe's wife, Robin, uh, would even travel together, sometimes going to Kentucky to play bingo, which I thought was weird, uh, going to Kentucky to play bingo. But um, and well, they even, that, even that border is uh, really close, though. Yeah, but like, also it's weird to where they live. Like, but it's they're traveling to play 20s, bingo, like going to play bingo to travel. Like, it's just weird. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to Kentucky tonight to play bingo. Kevin's <laughs> so logical about it. How many times have you crossed state lines to play bingo? Let me think. When was the last time you played bingo? Mm, let me think. Exactly. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, they even noted that they would uh, they would go to Joe and Robin's house um, and spend time there as well. So, from what I've seen about Joe, um, is that he's had kind of a colorful past, um, but there wasn't too much I could find out about his childhood. But we do know um, that Joe has been in some trouble with the law before for Berkeley burglary <laughs> uh just a in just a short time prior he was released from a 13-year sentence for burglary in ohio so he was kind of he understood the the law and how things worked so 
Um, so jumping forward back to 2006, um, I have a new person who enters the story. And there's a couple people who enter, but they're not really main characters here. They're just additives. So um, here enters this man named Dustin. So Dustin knew both Christina and Joe, uh, being that he was Christina's next door neighbor. He was also fr- he was friendly with her. And he often smoked weed with Joe as Joe was his dealer. It, I think Joe was just a very popular man in the area just because he was a dealer. He's a dealer. So in the, huh? Is it because he's a dealer? Yeah. So in the, the morning hours of May 30th, Dustin uh, was walking back to his house after a long night of drinking and smoking weed the whole night. Um, and he was a little surprised to see Joe coming out of Christina's apartment. They spoke briefly and Joel told him that he was helping Christina's boyfriend move out. And um and Dustin didn't really think anything of it. Uh but again, he was also he was impaired, he was drinking and smoking all night. So his his um his brain wasn't in the right in the right mind to to really understand what was happening. So while they were talking, they decided to go to a, a convenience store nearby and they walked together. However, Joe headed back before Dustin did. When Dustin got back, he was a little puzzled to see Joe laying down in the backseat of his car right outside of the apartment. He then told police that Joe saw him and he sat up. Um, he's quoted to telling the authorities that uh, Joe was acting somewhat shaky and a little upset, but he noted that his behavior was not anything that that really alarmed him or anything else uh, that made him know anything was going on. So Joe then reiterates to just to Dustin that Christina's boyfriend asked him uh, to get there to get some of his things for him. So now when Dustin hears this, when Dustin hears that Christina went missing, he quickly called the police and told him everything he knew because he thought it was weird. So um, part of this is I'm, I was writing the notes from uh, the case files of it. So this kind of follows the, 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 the uh, trial in general. So later in the trial, we'd also hear from another acquaintance of Joe's Timothy Marshall, uh, that on June 1st, he got a call from Joe asking to deliver a message to Dustin for him. And Timothy was quoted in saying that he told me to tell Dustin that Dustin didn't know him. Dustin didn't, didn't see him. Um, he said it was a matter of life or death. He couldn't tell me right now. He tell me at a later time that it wasn't that it wasn't it. Uh, I delivered the message. Oh, that was very what? interesting to read. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading a quote, so it's interesting because it's somebody. It's just the way of somebody talking. So he yeah, basically yeah. told he told Dust he told Timothy to tell Dustin that he doesn't know who Joe is. They never met. He didn't see him that night that it's a matter of life or death and that he couldn't tell him why, but he'll tell him later um, to basically don't tell, to tell Dustin to not tell the police anything that he knows anything. And this was when, because of the back seat, when he was laying in the back seat of the car after that. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. So from here, huh. the police started to get suspicious. So they got um, a warrant to go check out Joe's car. Um, when they got there, Joe's wife, Robin was there and she compiled um she complied. I have compiled. It's supposed to say comply. <laughs> uh, and there she com- complied, and they towed the car to the crime lab processing bay. Once they started to do testing, all of their sus- suspicions came to light. They found blood stains on the back seat and spot remover in the car. On June 3rd, they arrested Joe Hill. Um, however, getting a confession out of him would be hard. 
since he was arrested before, he knew how it worked and he kept his mouth shut saying that he needed a lawyer. They did, however, note, uh, notice that he had some scratches on his face and a bite mark on his hand. Um, the main goal that the police wanted to know was to find out where the body was because everybody knew that it was Joe. It was very evident that Joe was the one who um, had something to do with the disappearance of Christina due to the fact that there was blood that came back as being positive of Christina's. Um, so they went to uh, Joe's wife to try to coax it out of him. So um, uh, luckily for them, one thing that Joe didn't really understand was that when you make a call from jail, it's recorded. Um, and so they went through all of the recordings and Bruh, in the recordings, yeah, right. So he knew all of this what an stuff, idiot. but he didn't realize that the phones are recorded. So, oh my god! So they have Christina call Joe and try to coax it out of him. And in the recordings, they heard Joe talk about how he struck Christina. And the first blow hit differently. And like he's talking about the feeling and how it just felt different the first time he hit her. He also bragged wow. to his wife that he had consensual sex um, and that he had consensual sex that evening. And uh, to make her feel better, um, he was quoted to say that it wasn't even that fun. Um, eventually, Joe would come out and claim that the two of them were having an affair for, for a while in that, but m the majority of people didn't believe him, um, especially because he was really not attractive he in in the art you'll see he was very unattractive and he was 20 years older than her so people were like yeah we don't believe him so after wait a bit, i'm sorry uh, it is insane to say yeah we had consensual sex but it really wasn't that fun as a way to justify cheating on your partner <laughs> right like you're right. talking to your partner yeah. and you're just like yeah i did have sex but like it wasn't that it fun, wasn't fun. fun. <laughs> okay i didn't have a good time <laughs> <laughs> okay okay um, i don't care also missing so you did more than that um so after a bit of time uh they got um rough estimates of where the body was from what he was saying um which was in a remote area below a one-lane bridge that no one would be able to see from the road when the police got to the spot mentioned they were not surprised they were not surprised to see her body below. They saw the yellow sheet that was wrapped around her waving in the wind, along with some of the bloodstained items from the apartment, like a pillowcase, tablecloths, garbage, um, and more white fragments. So the police moved below. below um, and this, I should probably just say trigger warning for the rest of this. Just if you have a hard time listening to crime stuff, uh, you probably don't want to listen. But um, they saw her body lying in the water below. But uh, by this time, it was a few days later. Um, so the body already started to decompose. Uh, her skin was purple and starting to marbleize. Um, mm. and, um, in spots, part of her skin was starting to hang off. Um, and there was so much swelling, you could barely recognize her features. Mm. So what happened? So according to Joe, um, Christina called him on the night of May 29th, wanting some weed, um, agreeing. He said he would head on over and, and he arrived around 11 PM that night. After a bit of time talking, watching TV, and hanging out with each other, Joe said that um, he was playing with her dog when the dog bit his hand. Running to the bathroom to grab something to help clean up, Christina put the dog in the bedroom and locked the dog in the bedroom so nothing else would happen. Then he said um, she came on to him, whispering in his ear, saying, I know what you want. He then went into gross detail of their sexual acts and what they did together that he said they did consensually. Once 
Then once finished, he said that Christina let him know that there was something wrong with her toilet, and he asked him to help fix it, which to me was a very quick change of topic from sex to toilet. <laughs> but yeah. allegedly, this is what happened according to him. So as soon as as soon as he was in there, he made note that um that he had to end their affair. That he let her know that his wife was suspicious of them and they needed to stop. And he's communicating this through the walls of the bathroom. So then Joe said he came out of the bathroom with the lid of the toilet tank still in his hand because he already, because he was working in the toilet. So he already had it and he wasn't thinking. So he came out with it. He said he started, um, she started to humiliate him and she started to get a little bit irate. Um, he was, he was stated saying that he was, that she was basically belittling him to make him feel like he was nothing so that he wouldn't leave her. Um, and this angered him a lot. So he said he got so angry, he lost control and he punched her a few times when being in the face. I think the first one they said was in the chest. Um, but then this didn't stop her and she got a little bit more irate and aggressive. So without thought, he grabbed the toilet lid with both hands and struck her with it. Once, once, uh, she hit the floor. He noticed she was still breathing, so she he kept hitting her. Every time, pieces of the tank would break off and fly around the apartment. Eventually, after a few blows, he hears her um, still making gurgling noises. So with the lid in his hands, he kept striking her until she stopped. Then, with a little bit of remorse, um, he wanted to try to revive her. Um, oh, and for oh, some... after smashing her face in? Okay. Yeah, right. Um, cool, cool. So, um, for some reason, he had a stun gun with him. So to revive her, he tried to shock her back with the stun gun. This is what he alleged what he did. Frantically, sorry, really funny. It shouldn't it's be the most ridiculous thing ever. Idiot! What a fucking right? oh, I you her just, face, but let me use the stun gun as like a. Just yeah, you just beat that her also, with this toilet lid, and that that's, that's like not demented. Help. Yeah, no, it, yeah, and I don't demented. think he wanted it to help because when you watch someone suffering so much because you just bashed their head in and they're literally gurgling, yeah. As soon as there's silence, now you want to bring them back. What? Because you want them to suffer more? Like right. that's not exactly. Or or he's like, oh fuck, I just killed somebody. I mean, it just the stupidity. Which this is why it's funny. The stupidity. Of thinking that you could revive somebody with a stun gun. What a fucking idiot. His stupidity yep. is hilarious. Like, it's just. I agree. Wow. So, well, wow. we're not done. So, okay. um, frantically trying to figure out what to do, um, he tried to devise a plan. So, his hand was uh, severely injured um, and he couldn't pick up her body because he, I think it said he broke his hand, but I think with the dog bite, it was his, he was injured. So, he couldn't physically pick her up himself. So he looked around and he decided to grab um, the nearby leash of the dog. He wrapped it around her um, with the blanket and dragged her to his car. And he says not to strangle her, but just to drag her. Again, doesn't make sense. Um, he then um, disposed the lid of the garbage of the the lid of the toilet in a garbage that was ten blocks away. And dropped, and then he said he went to the bridge and dropped her off of the bridge, hoping to hide the body. Now, expert testimony said that he's not telling the truth. Surprise, surprise. So, according to the medical examiner, um, Christina was first struck on the back of the head with the toilet lid, um, and he continued to hit her. 
he hit her so hard it broke her skull and damaged her brain. Then she was strangled. Um, however, Joe, uh, however, Joe did not know was that at this point, Christina wasn't actually dead. After he beat her and strangled her, um, and brought her drug, dragged her to um, the uh, uh, the car and disposed of her body. She was still alive, um, and uh, examination showed that she died from choking on the water in the creek in her own vomit, meaning she was alive the entire time oh. that everything was happening. So the oh. prosecution believes that Joe came on to Christina um, and she declined. So he stunned her with a stun gun to sedate her. Um, and then when she woke again and declined to him, it enraged him and he attacked. They believe uh, that he went to the house that day with a purpose, a purpose to sexually assault Christina. Uh, Joe's defense tried to claim that the confession over the phone while he was in jail was illegal because he said he wouldn't talk without an attorney. So they said them coaxing his wife for information was obtained illegally. However, in trial, it was deemed that um, with how the body was disposed, someone would have seen her. um, And at some point, it would have all come out anyways. Um, And so... When the jury went to deliberation, uh, not many people believed his story about there being a, an affair. And uh, just after three hours of deliberation, the jury came back with a guilty verdict of first-degree murder of manslaughter and abuse of a corpse. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. So what year I was went this into again? this one not thinking it was going to be too, too crazy. And then I kept going, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's more. There's more. So what year, what year was this one? 2006. So fuck you, Marvin Joseph Hill. Those are the most disturbing ones Mm. to me that are like, it's torture what they're doing to people. It's not just Mm -hmm. murder because I mean, if you shoot someone right in the head, at least it's quick, but that is not quick. (laughs) No, it's horrible. It's horrible. Well, and and like to stun or hurt all that kind of shit while she was like still alive is horrible. But I bet you the dog um, bit him because he was murdering her. Oh, I, I would assume so. She was probably of, it was yeah. probably during the attack. Yep, that's what I'm thinking too. What a fucking dickhole! Right? Wow, that is a so he so basically he well okay so I'm still stuck on the the weird vibrator. Well, it was part of the sexual acts. He was. Oh, he did he things with her. her body. Yeah, and so oh my, there God, was I can't. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah it was you. just a part of the sexual He's a assault. Fucking jerk! Wow, Brandon, that is a bizarre murder weapon, but also just a really uh, fucked a up real- story. If anybody knows any pizza guys, hopefully they're not killing anybody with toilet seats. <laughs> right, let, make them leave the pizza at your front door. Don't let them in. Yeah. Wait that that, that reminds me of there was a crazy story about a guy who i think he was an uber eats driver or something in florida and he ended up killing whoever it was that he like was delivering to and no prior yeah no prior relationship with this person it was just like they ordered something on uber eats yeah Yeah. no thank you that seat mm -mm. I, i barely trust the food when it gets here in general I, that's why like i always say just open. leave it at the door like i don't want i don't i don't yeah. know i know i got something last night and they took a picture of my hand it was really creepy <laughs> it was. like i brandon's like brandon actually ordered it for me 
Um, cause I've done like so well and ate home the entire week. So I was like, I want a crepe. And so, um, <laughs> Brandon ordered it for me cause I don't order. I, this is so bizarre, but in relationships, I don't know. One person does. Yeah. There's all, there's <laughs> roles. <laughs> I'll yes, do that. So you'll do the that. orderer. Yeah. He won't order any delivery. Even if we are not together, we're states away. I'm still ordering his food for him. <laughs> I wouldn't say won't. Just, You've done it before, before, but it's typical that you're just like, could you just get me this, please? So I have this weird thing, and maybe it's related to my ADHD. I don't know. But I get very overwhelmed by menus, like a lot. And if it's a menu that's like, I'm like, uh, oh, my God, do you have a chicken sandwich? And it's like, I just get overwhelmed. So anyway, sometimes with the ordering, there's too many choices. And it makes me you like, can't <laughs> so Brandon helps <laughs> So I know where I fit in my our relationship. I understand. Yeah, it. I get it. There rolls. I get it. I usually it happens the same way. My boyfriend is the one who orders things, but I think that's just because I don't want to go through the trouble of like signing into Grubhub. Like I don't know what my Grubhub login is, and I don't want to yeah, do same. the whole forgot password bullshit. So because by the time you're like, okay, do I just make a sandwich or have a hard boiled egg? I don't know. Yeah, it's annoying. So, uh, but I got these crepes last night, and the, the Brandon's like, it's it's there. So I'm like, okay, great. So I went to the door, and there was a guy there, and I literally opened the door looking down, and I was like, oh, and he was like, oh, hey, here. And then I so I took it from him, started closing the door, and he's like, oh, I still need to take a picture, and I was like, oh, and so I like stuck it out and hid my face, and he's like, I'm not gonna get your face, and I was like, thanks. <laughs> so Brandon, right. and got so I get the picture, picture of, of Kevin's hand in the doorway. <laughs> Which is gonna I was like, well, oh I see God. you got your food. <laughs> yeah, good that you had evidence of it. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And so I'm glad weird. you didn't get murdered. So, yeah, yeah that too. That well, you nice. know, I would, I, you know, I would put up such a fight that I think that somebody who would try to murder me would be like, this is not worth it. <laughs> 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 like, I would be I loud can't and aggressive. And, and I have a weird, strong grip in general, right, Bran? You do. Where, like, you can't really move. It's really weird. I don't know. Like Brandon and I. Nice will, when like, you have like a kink in your neck and you're like, could you just? Oh yeah. No, <laughs> you just crack my neck in half for me. Thank you. Right. It Done. is. It is really funny because if Kevin's ever like, hey, could you rub my shoulder? Or do this. He'll like show me where it is on his body, and then come to me and and like press and do it for me to show to kind of just show me where to do it. But I'm always like, oh, like, why are you going so fucking hard? Yeah, bro, oh. it's fragile. I'm like it's not, it's not that hard. <laughs> but you see, are. I can't, I can't get massages in the city because they always go too hard. And even I, I just, and then I feel really uncomfortable because I'm like, I don't want to tell them to like do their job differently, you know. So I'm just, I'm like, <laughs> just taking it. That's really funny. I love massages. That, in fact, I usually they can't go hard enough. Um, and the last, well, the last one that we got in Vermont was okay, uh, but the one before that, I had this dude, and I'm like, "Do you?" He first off, he wouldn't go past like my knee, um, like he was very uncomfortable to go up my thigh, and I'm like, "This is he was really scared to touch your booty." This is yeah, he was <laughs> he did not do my hips, he did not do like butt cheek, nothing, and uh, and it was so light that I was like, "That was dumb." Um, but yeah, so I, maybe I should try in New York. I mean, I don't know if you're going to think this, I'm sure you're going to love it. Cause I, oh, he would, I feel like I, I've I just would. been beaten up after I oh leave. I'm like, that I was not like could, relaxing. 
Which is not I feel good. like I could take a bat and literally hit Kevin in the back and he'd be like, did you do something? <laughs> so he likes that it. might be a little different. So, so <laughs> hard where my hands are like on fire trying to rub his shoulder. I'm like, I'm trying my no. best. I can't. I get my, all of my stress is like held within my like upper back and neck and shoulders. And so yeah. you have to go like really pretty hard because I can't really feel it a ton, which maybe is an issue. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. We should probably get that checked. Just Maybe. in case. Oh my God. If there's a All doctor right. listening well, to the podcast, if you have any ideas, let us <laughs> is know. There a condition that can also <laughs> right. match my skin condition that I just got diagnosed with? Cause that would be great. <laughs> my Lord. Um, okay. Getting older is fun. Right, um, you just slowly start to fall apart. <laughs> so great. Um, all right. Should we go into my story? Let's do it's it. It's much quicker. I, we need to and know about the pumpernickel. More funny. I know. <laughs> yours was like, I actually felt sad at the end of yours. Right? Um, so, Christina. Um, okay. Well, you guys, I titled mine again. And it's very simple. It's just titled, Oh, Reginald. So. Reg- okay, so the two takeaways we have so far is Reginald and Pumpernickel. Yeah. What do you take away from this already? What Sounding you... like a cartoon to me okay. right now. That. Sounds that. like a like a old story of a white man and his bread. Okay. Am I close? I I think. I mean, who eats pumpernickel? Whenever I think of pumpernickel, I think yeah. of like old, like just old people, like like well, older than my grandparents. Well, there, old. there, there are some. Colton locations, cultures that do eat it. And um Britain is one of them. So well, that makes it my story is British. So um Reginald. And okay. Are we gonna get your British accent accent the whole time? No. No. <laughs> I thought about it earlier and then I tried it and I was like, well, that sounded dumb. So I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Could you give us just like a little preview of what you were doing? No, I will not. Thank you. We'll um, get him to do it sometime. Okay. Someday. I mean, I do it sometimes when we're like, you know, doing stuff or whatever. I don't know. I switch between like an Australian and a Brooklyn and a British and a country. So and a, it's just not great. So multifaceted. I think it's entertaining. Yes. <laughs> so it was January 25th of 1988 when an article appeared in the Sarasota Herald Tribune opinion section with the headline Hard Bread Can Double as Weapon. So. This is the story of the unsolved murder of Sir Reginald Hemsley Doddingdale, which, by the way, is the most British name ever. Sir Reginald that is. Hemsley Doddingdale. But it's unsolved, but we know that he was murdered with bread? Yes, which is interesting. And there's, like, no information on this. Look at all. So, um, I don't really have much. So, we're just going to take a little journey down some history about pumpernickel bread and... and um, <laughs> other shit so exactly what we all want to hear i know i found this really interesting so i want to jump into pumpernickel bread first because it actually is interesting but um i hate pumpernickel bread by the way but uh pumpernickel (laughs) bread if you haven't had it is super dense very dark and very hearty so if you need to shit very good um but it also tastes like rye bread which if you know me which you you know that i fucking hate rye bread like a lot Kevin even hates the rye seeds that are in everything bagels. Like if there's a bagel with a rye seed in it, 
He will Wait, not I have actually, it. And I'm, like, I'm the opposite. The I thing. love, I love a seated bread. I love a seated bread. You too. I do too. I can't. Kevin is always the white bread kind of person. Even if we try to get like wheat, you might do like the honey wheat, but you won't do any kind of wheat. I with like any white. Seed in it. I like Wonder Orphanage style Wonder Bread. I. <laughs> Grew up in an orphanage. You should orphanage style. Well, the orphanage style wonder bread. You should um, put on your actor hat and and act like a pilgrim for a day, and see how it influences your bread taste. Hmm, that's (laughs) just really interesting. Just think like like a pilgrim. Maybe I'll go out to to, like the the minus all like the dress inside. What? <laughs> you should act you just like a said the word said minus gen- the genocide. <laughs> but oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, I just <laughs> my I literally just saw you go genocide, and that was it. And I was like, I was like, wait, what are we talking about? It's <laughs> the same thing that I saw. That's what I was like, no, I'm sorry. Where did we I'm go? Sorry. You're <laughs> so right, was... though. Pilgrims and genocide are deeply genocide. connected, and seeded <laughs> bread apparently, right? I know, and as I was saying it, and I got closer because I was like, "Oh wait, is Kevin speaking?" I can't tell because I was talking at the same time you are, and so we totally did that. And you know what I do? I feel like, like now that we're feel like what? What, Brandon? We're still on <laughs> I to say now that we're doing this virtually for right now, it's going to happen a lot where we're going to talk over each other. <laughs> I know. Well, I, we do that anyway. We but, do. Oh, I just got a beard hair in my mouth. Uh, precious. Okay. <laughs> the joys of having a beard. Um. I don't remember where we were. Shit. Now I have genocide in my head. Pilgrims. Pumpernickel. Oh, the type of bread I do like is sprouted bread, which does have Ooh. also some seeds in it, but it tastes very different. I don't know. Okay, I don't know wait, the do difference. I love it. I love it with a lot of butter and honey on it. Delicious. But that's it. Okay. Pumpernickel bread. <laughs> Back to it. The more you know. <laughs> Oh, the other thing that I really don't like is Brandon loves everything bagels, but once he's done eating them, he has so many black little seeds in his teeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's but rough. I'm always like, yeah. yeah, but then he doesn't <laughs> tell me, that. and then I'll, it'll be like an hour later, I'll go in the mirror and I'll be like, why didn't you tell me my teeth are disgusting Rude. right now? <laughs> I'm not investigating your teeth, you weirdo. Like I'm not. No, like, but you're supposed uh, to like you know look at me when we're engaging with each other, and one would I do. I look at your eyes and your tip of your nose, and then I don't look at. I'm not. In, oh my god. Anyway. Every time that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did see, or no, yeah, I did see just a little speck. I, I'm just not like, oh, pause our conversation. Can you pick that out of your mouth? I don't know. Whatever. All right. It's fine. I'll just have shit in my teeth. You're welcome. You always do. Thank you. Gross. I get a little bro. <laughs> do I? I do. Tooth ticks. Wait, tooth ticks? Tooth ticks? <laughs> I don't want any ticks in my teeth. <laughs> uh uh-uh, no. Keep those tooth away. Ticks. God, we're messy. Anyway. Okay. So, guys, pumpernickel bread originated in where? Where do you think it originated in? Pumpernickel. Is that um, the name of a place? The UK. It originated in Germany, aka Germany. Oh, that um, was my Germany? second guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I found this actually kind of really funny. Pumpernickel actually does mean something and comes from some different words in Germany. So, um. It's actually a German word that comes from pump, pumpern, which actually means to break wind, aka fart. <laughs> and nickel, apparently, 
a take on the name Nicholas, which is associated with goblins and devilish character. So the word pumpernickel comes from the breads. Um, <laughs> this is kind of funny. The, the overall word comes from the breads reputed in digestibility because it's so fibrous that it really, you get some poops. So basically <laughs> the word. Know. So think about it. Farts, devil, goblin. So basically the word uh, means that you're eating the devil's farts. Yummy. Delicious. Delicious. So, some honey on that. <laughs> mm. Mm, some devil fart honey. Yeah, interesting. So I did find this to be very interesting because I like making bread. Um, <laughs> but bread is actually created. So like the flour that's used in pumpernickel bread is actually created from whole rye berries that are coarsely ground. There was more than that, but it got really technical and I was like, I don't care. So I stopped there. But <clears throat> the German way to make it is actually by combining um, sourdough starter, yeast, and that flour. Which, if anybody does any sourdough type of starters and sourdough bread, I love sourdough bread. It's really yummy. And in fact, we had a starter. And in fact, sometimes people have starters that are very old. Um, but Brandon killed it. It was his anyway, because I didn't make the sourdough bread. Wait, did you kill it or did you just die? I don't remember what happened. We don't have it anymore, though. No, I just forgot to... I just I left it in the it. fridge and I didn't feed it. And then I I could have revived it, but it just... Anything that's fermented, if it just freaks me out sometimes. So I was like, I'm just going to get rid of it and start a new one. And then I never started a new one. <laughs> I will eventually. So there's that. Yeah. Well, then so, we started living in two different places, and I'm like, when am I going to feed it? Because you have to feed them often. That's true. I know. It's like a, yeah, it's, like a to... it's like a Tamagotchi. You got to. I know. I didn't realize it was it, like an animal. It or it'll die. It is. Yeah. You're feeding bacteria. <laughs> it's really weird. Which yeast, right? Everything, your bread goes from yeast anyway. But, yeah. Um, so, pumpernickel bread is really an interesting bread. You actually cook it in loaf tins at a temperature that's super low, and you cook it for 24 hours. Which is why it's actually super brown. Um, other cultures like add dyes and all that kind of stuff, but the German way, um, apparently, yeah, that's that's how long it has to cook for. Which I'm like, no, thank you. So, pumpernickel bread, the devil's farts. So, with that, let's talk about this murder. Again, not a lot of information, but sometime in 1987 or 1998, I'm not really sure. Sir Reginald Hemsley Dottingdale was found deceased with a large lump on the back of his head. So, the Scotland Yard began investigating the death with one investigator being quoted as saying, Worst case of pumpernickeling I've ever seen. The poor chap never knew what hit him. Pumpernickeling? It's like okay. a coined term. Yeah. Imagine you get murdered and then it's all just like making jokes about the way you were murdered. I know that's like. <laughs> Which is horrible. And I tried to do this one with like a British accent and I was just laughing through it. So I <laughs> um, but I thought that I was like Scotland Yard, which I've heard before, but I'm like, well, that's interesting. Let's expand. So the Scotland Yard is the headquarters of the London Metropolitan Police and is responsible for policing London's 32 boroughs. Which, by the way, I didn't know London had the 32 boroughs. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, so the Scotland Yard is located now on the River Thames at Victoria Embankment, just north of the Westminster Bridge in the city of Westminster. So the London Police Force was actually created all the way back in 1829 by an act that was introduced um, in Parliament and replaced the old system of watchmen, which that word creeps me out. I'm not sure why. <laughs> 
So the uh, Scotland Yard is uh, is its headquarters um, has actually re- relocated three times in in history, um, landing where they are actually now. So it's called Scotland Yard because the uh, the former entrance of the Whitehall police, uh, Place headquarters, which faced the St James District of Westminster. Um, so originally, Whitehall Place had an exit that was called the Great Scotland Yard, which was named that because it originally housed the Scottish royal family when they visited England's capital. So. After expansion, it was used as the main entrance to the police station and later shortened to Scotland Yard. So from there, the Metropolitan Police became synonymous with that name. So now they're just like known as Scotland Yard, um, which I found to be very interesting. So they've moved those three times and now they're at that place that, that I had said, which is not at that exit anymore. But now they're just known as the Scotland Yard. So near Sir Reginald Hensley Dottingdale's body was a loaf of pumpernickel bread with the approximate hardness of an anvil. Do you guys know what an anvil is? Oh my gosh. Because I sure didn't. That's an an... I mean, I don't actually know what it is, but an anvil to me is something you hit somebody over the side of the head with. (laughs) (laughs) I think of cartoons, like them dropping on people. Okay. Yeah. They're like the big, like hard, heavy metal, like weights, right? Yes. Yes. So an anvil is a heavy steel or iron block with a flat top, concave sides, and is typically pointed at one end. So yep. like, yeah, the um, the Roadrunner, those yep. those uh, episodes, they would drop from the cliff and it would hit it. Yeah, that. I was thinking so, of like the Animaniacs. Like, I feel like there was a lot of oh, yeah, anvil yeah. dropping. Oh, my that, God. Why was there yeah. so many anvil droppings in our childhood? I don't know. It's really fucked up. Like, that's very bizarre, so, right? Um, it's like, it's like quicksand. Like, There's a lot of stories of quicksands like, that makes you think that I might encounter quicksand at some point in my life. No, you don't. You're never going to. At least yet. Or you do, (laughs) and you just, no one knows, because you're dead in the quicksand. (laughs) Um, So, this anvil is uh, actually a metalworking tool, because I'm like, I still don't, like, I don't know what it's used for. So, it's a metalworking tool that's used to forge and shape metal. It was way more widely used before modern welding technology. So, that makes sense. So, I'm like, oh. So, um, they actually believe that uh, the pumpernickel loaf, to, they believe it was the murder weapon because it actually perfectly matched the indentation found on the skull of Reginald. And it was found right by him. So they were like, how hard was this Reginald has been murdered by at, quite hard, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys realize, but if, if you leave a loaf of bread out for way too long, it gets very hard. And it's because like the. Um, the moisture is drawn out of it, and so it just hardens in general. So okay, wait. Pretty hard. I was about to say, why don't we just use bread as bricks then? But then that makes sense that if it rained, then it would just become bread again. Become bread again. It's like a <laughs> so we can't do that. <laughs> a house is like, boo. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and my house melted. Ew. Um, <laughs> Soggy bread. Why does my house smell so moldy? Ew. Um, but it's interesting because, right. you know, within a bag, like if your bread is in a bag on the counter, it doesn't really harden. It gets moldy because the moisture just like draws out and then, yeah, just creates, hello, all that mold. So if it's out, like not in something in open air, then it will get yeah. hard. Um, which I feel is weirdly sexual to say. That felt weird for a second. Okay. Anyway, so they are not of course sure you would take the loaf. I know. They're not sure if the pumpernickel bread that killed Reginald, Reginald Hemsley Dottingdale, 
Uh, they're not sure that if it, if it was baked to be extra firm in consistency uh, with the intent, intent of murder, if it was just that, and then it was grabbed and premeditated bread making. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can happen. So interestingly enough about this story, that's it. That's all the information. Um, it remains completely unsolved. Poor Reginald with his indentation on his skull. Wait, so where did you say that he was found? No clue. Because I, I almost feel like if he was like on the street or something, then what if somebody just like or accidentally a piece of bread fell out of their window? I, and flew and hit him. And it's, like a, it's like a brick hitting you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like somebody threw it from know. their house because they're like, this bread's too hard. I know. I'm like, yeah, yeah they're like throwing been- it out. <laughs> <laughs> I um I looked everywhere and I'm like I cannot find any information on Reginald's case even from the Scottish uh, the Scotland Yard. Um like it was in 1988 so it was you know a little bit ago clearly. But there's but just, 1988 like, was wasn't he, was he a baker? Long. Like what, did he own a bakery and right, I, like, like was yeah. he out in a farm? Like I just it's so like even I, though you said what year it was, my head is like thinking of like this was a long like eight, time ago on cobblestone streets and people were walking because there was no cars. Like <laughs> it's exactly how I'm envisioning it as well. Um, and yeah, there's the pumpernickeling. The I know it's crazy. Pumpernickeling. Worst case of <laughs> pumpernickeling I've seen. Oh, how many cases have you seen? So speaking of which, um, Reginald is, um, not the only chap in history to have been killed by bread in 1801. Another Welshman named William Hopkin was also killed by a loaf of bread in apparently, um, uh, or not in apparently, <clears throat> a loaf of bread, period. Uh, apparently, a laborer by the name of Morgan Hopkin threw a loaf of bread at William, and he died a few years later. So the coroner actually stated that the bread throne delivered a mortal blow upon his private parts, which is what led to his murder. I wasn't expecting that part. Me neither. So there are, um, there have been other reports of people trying to murder, even like back in 2017 in a grocery store with bread, but it wasn't successful because they weren't hard, as hard as an anvil. So, wait, this my friends, this episode is reminding me of a show called Dead Like Me. Have either of you ever seen that? Yes, Dead Like it was like on HBO or Showtime or something. Yeah, and it's yeah. about the first episode, a flying scrap of a toilet seat from space like yeah because something like blows up it kills main girl something blows up in space and like hurdles down to this girl who's in manhattan standing there and it's a piece of a toilet seat that like hits her on the side of the head and she dies and then she becomes a reaper that like takes (laughs) the soul of other people such a good show show. you should definitely watch it if you can find it on streaming services although the the little like creepy devil or like goblin things or whatever that she has to like get to them first right like yeah like the black shadows the soul for it yeah yeah that show was great actually it was was a show yeah um that's hilarious that it reminds you of that i I was just like this is kind of because my theory is that it was just I mean, I don't know, an accident, like something. Or it wasn't, or like, was he carrying the pumpernickel bread? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm literally picturing it falling out of the sky and hitting him and he's just like dead. The pumpernickel loaf came from the space station and came from the way down. (laughs) And now he's a reaper. I don't know. Um, 
That's hilarious. Yeah, it was. I th- I found that to be so incredibly funny, which is not funny, but I found this article that was like like weird um, or unusual um, murder weapons, and this one I was like pumpernickel bread. Not only that, but his name killed me. Like Sir Reginald Hemsley Doddingdale. <laughs> it's so British, and it's so it fun. is so it's amazing. Poor thing died from a pumpernickel beating. That's so sad. But like, also, like, was he hit once? Ugh. Done. I don't know. Like, well, yeah, we don't know anything. Like an anvil, probably. Yeah. I guess. Some I mean, if anybody brain. out there has any information on this one, because I couldn't find it, um, let us know. Because I'm interested to see what else they discovered in their investigation, other than you know this this police um, officer quoting. Uh, uh, using his quote or whatever, which I can't find now in my notes. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that one, that, that's that. So Brandon's was pretty meaty. Mine was, I like wrote Brandon and I was like, mine's really short. So I'm just going to expand <laughs> on a couple of things like pumper. No, but it was history. It was a little bit more lighthearted, which is nice to have thrown in there too, because mine was not. So it was a nice way to wrap up the, yeah. the episode. I know. Cause then we at should first I thought mine would be a little bit more lighthearted, but then. It wasn't. I mean, no. Not. I mean, it's. We're talking about murder. It's not going to be lighthearted. But I it's thought never it would be different. But I thought it was going to be more like yours, where it was a little bit less agonizing to go through. But yeah. it was still a great story. Well, I'm. I feel like um, mine is a little bit satirical. Like it's just. It's very much like this headline: "Killed by pumpernickel bread." <laughs> just, right. Like I don't. Like how can that? I would not like be, to not like, be killed by pumpernickel bread, please. Or any no. other bread of that sort, or like whether that's being beaten with it or choking on it. Yeah, but pumpernickel. pumpernickel bread. Yeah, when you said pumpernickel bread, my first thought was, did somebody poison this guy? Like, I thought maybe they just put something in the bread, but this no, is, just is much more only, of a mystery than that. But also, like, did they keep that loaf of bread for evidence? And is it like sitting in some evidence locker right now? Just this loaf of fucking pumpernickel bread? It'll be really moldy and smelly if it is. I know, but like, was there blood on the bread? Was there? There like, must have just, been. I'm like, I have so many questions. So many questions, <laughs> right? That are like, there was there anything else? So, like, was it only being hit by yeah. bread? Like, I, I mean, uh, apparently, and uh, I just envisioned them, like, in the coroner's office with this bread and being like, "Yeah, matches the indent." <laughs> <laughs> like, I, 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 oh my god, I don't know. I, it shouldn't be funny, but it's it's funny. Um, so yeah, that is, uh, that is my story of, um, of Reginald. That's why I said, oh, Reginald. You know, oh, Reginald. Like, he didn't even know it hit him. This pumpernickel bread. Poor I mean, guy. He might not have ever hit him in the back of the head. He might not have expected it to happen. <laughs> well, and it's the articles that I found, literally the Sarasota Herald Tribune opinion section. Like, why was it there? And like, right, is it, yeah, the opinion Sarasota, section? Sarasota, Florida? Yeah, was I mean, it the Because Sar- that's a, the Sarasota Herald Tribune. I mean, that's is there a Sarasota in the UK? Maybe I don't know. I guess there could be. It didn't seem like it was written in like it doesn't sound like it. English from UK, but the quote was very much English for sure. But that one, I I don't know. Anyway, so. Episode 12, y'all. Bizarre murder weapons. Toilet seat. 
Was they it were a definitely, seat it was lid? definitely bizarre. It was the toilet seat tank, like the porcelain. Oh my so the top God. of it. That shit's heavy. Yeah. Wow. That's horrible. So toilet seat lid and <laughs> there you have insane. It. Very different murder weapons. Yeah. Yeah, and chances yeah. are we'll probably do a couple more of these ones because there's quite a few bizarre murder. But both of them were bashing their head in. Mm-hmm. Just with different That's things. True. How did we do that again, Bran? I don't know. Hmm. We're just so in tune with each other. (laughs) Even miles apart. Crazy. Um, All right. Well, exciting. So, friends, thank you for joining us on this adventure. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But be careful of remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Please watch out for flying pumpernickel. You never know when it's going to hit you. Yeah. Just ask the Roadrunner. Um, <laughs> all right. Guys, if you have any hometown murders, again, please email them to us at murder at homicidepodcast.com. Please go visit our website as well. And um, if you would please subscribe on YouTube and also follow us, rate and review. And, you know, just have a lovely day and you know, don't get murdered. Good Period. advice. Don't get murdered. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Anna Brandon, thank you for joining on this amazing journey. Thank you. It was a good one. Homicide the Podcast. Yeah, I'm going to go. That's it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, Goodbye. I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to go.